0: Good evening, everyone, and welcome to The Liberty Show with Kevin Fortune, where you, the citizen, can raise your voice of all things liberty. And tonight we have an interesting topic, a timely topic. What's going on around the world? Well, one thing recently, the uh, U.S. evacuation from Afghanistan. Good, bad, right, wrong, too late, too soon. Well, you're going to get all the answers tonight. So we're going to get started tonight with one of our political public... um, policy people. Mr.
1: Tim. Tim. Thank thank you, sir. I want to give a great big shout out to our hosts, to the panelists. And, you know, it's a rare event, but I'd love to give a great big shout out to our, our president, Biden, for once he's done something that I think everyone can agree on, whether you're on the right side of the aisle, the left side of the aisle, the middle of the aisle, or you're just not even in the building. He got us out of Afghanistan. This is something that every liberty loving individual, specifically the libertarians have been fighting for years to get us to to end the wars and and Biden has done it. This is something that even Obama didn't do. This is something that Trump, he said we should do it, but he didn't do it either. So I wanna give honor to whom honor is due. Uh, It is this very event where I want to give a, a nice round of applause to to Biden for doing something that was right, that was in the best interest of every American, that was not only in the best interest of every American, it was in the best interest of every Afghanistan individual. When we talk about Afghanistan, when we talk about the wars that America faces, oftentimes we only look at our own deaths. We only look at our own costs, our, our, our monetary costs that we've had to put the bill on. But this gives us an opportunity to reflect and that's the one thing I love about our show is that we, we try and look at it from every aspect, even those individuals that are wrong, like Jedediah. Um, we, we give them an opportunity to be wrong and we we listen to them. And here's a, 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 a situation where the United States, America, we were wrong in invading Afghanistan. Even the premise for us invading Afghanistan was utterly stupid. We were told that, oh, well, we need to invade Afghanistan, a whole freaking country, because there were a few terrorists hiding out in Afghanistan. Uh, What what was the guy's name? The the senator, the the one that all the libertarians love. He said, well, wait a minute. Why don't we just send some commandos out there, some green berets, and and slaughter and murder the terrorists instead of screwing up the whole country? And what did our our President Bush and his vice president, what did they say? They said, heck no. We should just send all of our American forces there, kill off everyone, and then we'll destroy the country. And get this, the Taliban who were in charge of the country before we even invaded the country, or rather shortly thereafter, they even went to the the U.S. to their counterparts and said, you know what, we will give up. We will surrender. We will disband. We'll go about our own business as long as you don't imprison us. And what did the U.S. say? They said, no, screw that. We're going to continue the wage of war. We're going to continue to kill Afghan, Afghan citizens. And this and this is the number. Sit down, hold your britches. This is the number of civilians, Afghan civilians that were killed. 47,245. These weren't gun-toting people who were shooting at Americans. These weren't Uh, on Afghan individuals who were blowing up, IEDs, killing our our soldiers, our men and women, our individuals who were wearing American uniforms. No, these were innocent individuals. Nearly 50,000 individuals were slaughtered because Bush and his cohorts thought it was a great idea to go and look for some terrorists under the premise of terrorist hunting and destroy a whole country. Not only did we destroy our whole country, we destroyed American lives also. Thank you.
0: Well, interesting point. You know, when we were thinking about this several years ago, um, I just was telling, talking to some of my real ultra conservative friends who are like, they're always having a fit about, oh, we're abortion. We're killing um, people. But yet we just drop bombs on people. That's killing people. And I don't understand it's wrong to kill a baby, but it's okay to kill, I mean, in the womb, but it's okay to kill a live baby that's walking there. So many kids, innocent kids were killed. And, um, you know, so that was a really good introduction. So we're going to swing over to, uh, that was Tim down in Florida. Um, uh, And we're going to go way back up north to Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Jed, you're back on the Liberty Show. Let's hear what you got to say.
2: Well yeah, actually for once I sort of agree with um Tim there. We we should never have been in that war in the first place and it cost the the taxpayers way too much money and it cost way too many innocent lives in Afghanistan because oh well, of course we can't just send people in, in in there like we did but but a lot of the the innocents were killed by you know, drone strikes with misinformation given about who was where. So we didn't even just someone just remote control flew a drone over to some building and blew it up. And, and even if they got like one person, they were after it was not usually an apartment building. So they'd get everybody else in the apartment building. And some of them might not have even known anything about the person they were even targeting. They were just collateral damage as our, um, government likes to call, you know, innocent people just trying to go about their lives getting killed in crossfire. But um, I I think it would be a mistake if we didn't look at this from a larger picture, you know, from from a bunch of different angles here. I was born in 79. There has not been a time in my life where our government hasn't been somehow screwing around in Afghanistan. You know, they they had the Mujahideen, as they called them back then, the freedom fighters who were fighting against, you know, the Soviet Union. And, you know, we uh, gave them some funding. We gave them some weapons. Well, it turns out some of those freedom fighters just happened to be, you know, Islamic fundamentalists. Our government knew that. They they knew that full well. They knew who they were giving weapons to. But it didn't really matter to them because, all they were looking to do was stop the expansion of the Soviet Union, and you know what's what's uh, funding a little bit of religious extremism. You know when when you measure that up to fighting against you know evil communism, and you know aside from the fact that the Russians would never have been able to hold Afghanistan because historically no one has ever been able to hold Afghanistan except for the various warring. You know, tribes, warlords that and, you know, governments rising and falling that have always existed in Afghanistan. But Napoleon couldn't do it. Uh, Alexander the Great couldn't do it. Soviet Union wouldn't have been able to do it. The United States couldn't do it. I mean, all we did when we when we were attacking the Taliban was we drove them deeper into Pakistan where we couldn't touch them without angering the Pakistani government. And at one point in time, the Taliban got like 60 miles from the Pakistani capital. If they would have taken over all of Pakistan, the Taliban would have all of a sudden had nukes. <laughs> nukes that normally would have been pointed at India because that's who Pakistan seems to be you know, at odds with. But you know, who knows where those nukes could have been pointed, anywhere within the region. I don't know if they were intercontinental, but I definitely know they could have reached you know, anywhere within that circular area of a medium range missile could reach. I mean, it was, it was, we, we were making mistakes in, in that country for years. It started out, you know, they, they even made a movie about it. I think something Wilson's war something about, about how they were getting the senators to, Hey, let's Charlie do
1: Wilson's war.
2: Yeah. That's the, that's the movie. And they, uh, This isn't a new thing, and I'm hoping that this means we'll stop messing around in Afghanistan, but I'm sure it is, and I'm sure we'll, you know, I mean, who knows? We could even befriend the Taliban. I mean...
0: (laughs) Well, let me ask you a question. As an anarcho-communist, do you think we should be intervening in other people's wars, or should we be the savior of the world, defending... No, uh,
2: no, absolutely not. I, I think that's a ridiculous concept. But I mean it's just important to, to note that that we don't just intervene in other people's business by sending like divisions of our army in there. We 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 are on a regular basis and historically our government has been intervening in other countries by funding certain groups that that the corporate elites who own our government would like to see in charge and you know toppling governments and sending in mercenaries and it's not just our government there's there was a, a case kind of recently where, where some funders and in, in, in miami decided they were going to send some mercenaries into uh, venezuela to try and radicalize the fishermen in, against the government well you know the fishermen apparently they feared their government a little bit more than they feared uh you know, cared about these mercenaries and whatever they were offering because they turned them into the Venezuelan government. But it was, it's just something that, and our government's the tool used to do it. But mainly when we get into these interventions like this, it's some corporate elite that wants the resources Mm -hmm. that are in another country and they want a government that'll let them take it or they want. Well, you're hitting
0: on a real good subject we're going to talk about later, I'm sure. And that is the financial side of what we call war ink that was out of years you know it's just so much money in war and you know a lot of people you know did we really go over there to get the taliban or do we go over there so we could tear up the country and rebuild it and pay all of these you know the the, the, what not, is just, it, the not penitentiary what is it the the uh uh war what is it uh um,
2: defense contractors
0: military yeah, industrial defense, complex you know, you know, military, uh, what is the word we always use? Um, military industrial complex. Yeah, military industrial complex. And that, I think, is an underlying complex. So we're going to talk about that.
2: Well, I, hold on. I'm not even talking about the military industrial complex. Yeah, you're right. That's a whole different thing. I'm talking about the oil companies. Or I'm talking about, the about you know, a bit in Afghanistan's case, the opium industry. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of resources. Well, what's wrong with Africa.
0: that? What's wrong with opium? It's people's right to use what they want to.
2: I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with that. I'm just saying that there that some of our our reason our for being over in Afghanistan right. was the government was acting in the interest of, you know, the corporations that wouldn't mind a little taste of that opium that's in those fields that they can use. I mean, so you're saying he, it's ca- he, he, are you saying the it's the capitalism?
0: The capitalism had something to do with it.
2: I'm saying very much that capitalism has a lot to do with, with why our government intervenes in other countries. It, it's It has for decades. We did it in Central America. We did it in South America. We've done it in Africa. We do it in the Middle East all the time. Huh. And I mean, literally, people talk about wars for oil. Well, that's, that's capitalism. That's the elite using the government as a tool. Wow. Now, the, the elite didn't have the government to use as us that tool. The elite could just you know the, the people with the money could just as easily hire their own private armies to do this or they could arm whatever faction they want and our, our government has had a habit of arming some pretty sketchy people the Taliban's one example of people that we armed when the enemy of our enemy was the you know <laughs> that type of deal but we've armed drug cartels we've armed um, we armed Pinochet we helped Pinochet get into power and he was a brutal dictator so, I mean, it's not this isn't new and it's not going to be the end as long as we have these, um, you know, corporations elites. or elites or whatever you want to call them controlling our politicians.
0: Well, we're going to move. Re- we're going to move on to somebody else. don't go in rigid because I'm sure you're going to have we're going to have some rebuttals to what you said. But let's move to um, Mr. Damon. Damon, you're back on the Liberty Show down in Georgia.
3: Hey, Kevin, what's going on? Uh, welcome, everybody on the panel. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to follow up on something that, uh, that Jed talked about. And one of the things is, he, w- he said he was born in 79, I was born a year prior in 78. And- You youngster, you. Could, you. Yeah, even if you extend it further than that, you could take somebody who was born in the 1700s or the 1800s. The, the United States of America has only not been at war probably a handful of years of its entire existence. So this idea that, that what's going on in Afghanistan is somehow some anomaly, this is what we do. We do war. Right, And so the the reality is um, that what is now known as the Department of Defense used to be the Department of War. And from a marketing perspective, that sounds icky. Say Department of War sounds bad. So what do we do? When a marketing team needs to um, reshape the narrative, they just change the wording. So Department of Defense sounds way better than Department of War. Now we don't defend ourselves hardly ever. You know, we we basically go and, and create, go on the offense, and in the, the case of the Bush uh, administration, uh, I think I forget the term they use. Um, well, somebody somebody help me with it later, but they always try to make it seem like, well, if we fight them over there, we don't have to fight them over here. Well, the reality is it's, it's a it's a dog chasing his tail because the reality is, as Ron Paul astutely pointed out, there is what's called blowback. We start something we started something in the 50s, 40s, whatever it was. They get pissed off at us, fire back at us, and it just keeps keeps going on like a gang war. You know, they kill one of ours we kill one of theirs and it never stops. So the reality is there's a reason why, you know, Central American countries don't get attacked the way that we get attacked because we're always on the offensive, pissing somebody off, doing something to, as Jed said, create um, financial opportunities for the military industrial complex. That's all that we do. Understand- Let me ask you a
0: question, Damon. Yes. How come we pick and choose who we want to defend? Like when Haiti was the uprising, when there's countries in Africa having their land stolen their people stolen. Their the gold and diamonds stolen. But we didn't. We don't intervene and
3: defend them. Well, why do you think that is? Um, hmm, I'm trying to trying to figure it out. But the rea- the reality <laughs> the reality <laughs> is that the United States does not go into war with a country unless it, ha- it has uh, natural resources that it can extract. And also, it does not defend people that are dark skinned. Um, anything that will further the the cause of white supremacy is what they're going to do. Like I said, Haiti you know, the the jury's out on what happened there, but you can almost guarantee the CIA did something there. You know what I mean? Because the United States always tries to hide its hands, you know, when some, when some dictator gets, gets killed overseas or whatever, but we always have our hands in there somehow, some way. And even if it's not just in, uh, you know, hey, we did it type deal behind the scenes, you can almost guarantee that we had some sort of, Uh, some sort of play in that because. And I I
0: agree with you, but, you know, I was thinking about that. We joke about the white supremacy and the racism sometimes, but it's so real. We have just ravaged Africa, raped them, molested them, taken their diamonds, taken their gold, taken their people. And, but we don't defend that, you know, the people, there are people in England now fighting, talking about is their land has been in their family for like 200 years. But What about 20,000 years when the Africans had it, but we don't go and defend those people and, and save them. I wonder why that is.
3: Well, you already know what it is. I mean, the, the reality is that the the elites who have something to lose know that if you give like Africa has the most natural resources of any continent on this planet. Every everything that every country needs um, comes from the continent of Africa. And I think it was around after World War II, um, the European countries kind of divided it. You know, divided the, the continent of Africa up, and you know, UK said, okay, we'll take this part. United States, you take this part, and whatever they divided amongst each other to basically create whatever governments were created there are puppets of whatever government, basically the United States and Mm -hmm. any government that does not comply with what we say, they gotta be, they gotta be gone. So if you look at Muammar Gaddafi, uh, what happened under, under Obama's administration, that dude was in office for like 40 years. I remember vividly uh, between Muammar Gaddafi, Saddam Hussein, I remember those dudes when I was in Dagon high school, right? So the same dudes that from 30 years ago when I was in high school if they were still in office now, why were they so why, were they, why was it so hell-bent on us getting rid of them now versus when I was in high school? They're the same right. dude. The, the right. reality is the United States government saw an opportunity to try to you know jump on an opportunity to get rid of them and, and steal their natural resources. And there's no coincidence that both Iraq and also um, Libya sit on large oil reserves. And what the, the, rea- the, the reality is that both countries were at the point of trying to separate from the petrodollar. And just miraculously, yeah, we got to kill him now because if you take us off the petrodollar. The only thing keeping the United States up at this point is the U.S. is the dollar being the world's reserve currency. That's the only thing keeping us up. Otherwise, we'd be bankrupt 15 times over.
0: We are bankrupt. I hate to warn you, even with the dollar. So you're trying to say that America is an imperialistic country, colonial. I mean, are you serious? You um, think yes, imperialism yes,
3: that's- is... That's exactly what I'm saying. And all the people that say we support the troops, we support the troops. Those are the most disingenuous piece of crap people ever known to mankind, because the way that you support the troops is you don't put them in harm's way unnecessarily, right? Because all these wars, these are all poor people, or lower income. They, they And this, this is the thing about the military. When people just try to say it's, it's it's only one race of people, no, it's black, white, whatever. But the people that get in there do so for whatever reason they do. Um, if they're lower income, they say, "Hey, this is a, this provides a good opportunity for me to provide for myself, my family." Um, and and so the, the the perks that come from being in the military are too too much for some people to pass up. Mm-hmm. And so the reality is, you do not see many elites with their kids fighting in the wars. And if you had to send those their kids to war, you would see war kind of curtail pretty much because the people who go to war are the poor and the lower class, black, white, whatever. But the reality is, because the people at the top do not have skin in the game, it's, it's let's, uh, let's fight. Let's the contractors for let us. We ain't doing nothing. It's them that's doing it, and you're putting them in harm's way. And like I said, the reality is, until the people realize that these, these politicians, every last one of them, Democrat, Republican, does not matter, they're both part of this military industrial complex, everybody's got to go. Full stop.
0: Great point. Um, we're going to move on down to South Florida with Patrick down there in the Sunshine State. But um, I, I don't want you guys to go anywhere because I want to talk about this back to Jez's point. Is capitalism at fault? Is the free market economy the reason all of this is happening? But anyway, Patrick, straighten us out. Correct us, man. You're back on the Liberty Show.
4: Thank you, Kevin. I, I didn't know if, if Tim was speaking with forked tongue there. It looked like he was uh, reading from the Biden administration. But uh, I I think we all agree that that we we never should have gone into Afghanistan and and uh, we we didn't accomplish anything after twenty something years, trillions of dollars spent, nothing was accomplished. Uh, well, so so wait we, a minute. I'm to Jen's point, something was accomplished. There's a whole lot. Yeah, of I totally here. take you know, issue that with that. Well, military con- yeah military industrial complex con- a lot contract. Of- which um, uh, made a lot of money. They did. Yeah, they did. And, and so did the pharmaceutical companies. You look at the explosion of the opiates that that was timed right when uh, the Afghanistan, the poppy fields are over there. Uh, that was timed right when when the opiates I- exploded, too. So from that perspective, uh, absolutely. Uh, some, some people got very rich on, on that conflict. But uh, if you look at it as how it ended, uh, you look at the, the 13 servicemen and women um, who died on, on the withdrawal you look at where they were trying to withdraw from an airport uh, in downtown Kabul versus a, an airfield that was uh, vacated, that was in the middle of nowhere, much easier uh, to defend. And it really looked like it was a lesson in ineptitude. How, how could uh, the administration be so wrong? People on the ground were telling them the Afghan military will not hold this country. The Taliban will move right in. And they didn't listen. Well, let to me it. ask
0: you a question. Talking about ineptitude. So yes. it was ineptitude for biden to bring him out like this but it wasn't net for bush to get us
4: into this absolutely yeah because and i think that that's the whole idea remember back then it was nation building and everyone w- would beat their chest that, that we've got an imperative as a, as a decent christian country to to bring our values christian with america please don't yeah Whatever. well that was what that, that was <laughs> the driving focus back then if you remember and that, that's re- we were on this we the to Damon's point, we've been spouting that lie since day one when we had slavery and killing the
0: Indians and yep. raping women. So I'm, I'm just really getting, you know, I take my Christianity very seriously, but we got to stop lying. We got, you know, Christians don't rape, murder, rob, and sell people kids. And okay, well, that you know, was being they, used to sell. That was
4: children. Yeah, right. Well, that that was being used to sell the war because there was very very little of it. But men and women spilling their. Uh, their blood for for what ended up being a payday for uh, defense contractors and, and pharmaceutical companies. So, uh, but the point I, w- I was going in is is it was it ineptitude or or was this? I'm of the opinion that, that we're in a managed decline of the country in, in a lot of different ways. <laughs> I like
0: that. Could you yeah, explain and, that and, more?
4: Yes, and and I will. And, and I don't know if it was so much ineptitude or it was a way to give the country a black eye uh, on on the uh, the national. Stage and say the USA is not number one. They're they're not any better than anyone else, and in fact, um, we're we're not very good at anything, and and really embarrass the country uh, in front of the world. And y- you look at what's what Afghanistan also has is right now the, the hot spot is China and Taiwan, right? And a lot of people don't don't see the big picture there. And sixty three percent of the semiconductors globally are manufactured in Taiwan. So that, that's why China wants Taiwan is, is they want to control uh, the microchips in, in the world. Try getting a refrigerator, a car, if China owns uh, the chip manufacturing. But what a lot of people don't know is that the uh, rare earth uh, metals, there is a lot of them in Afghanistan and in, in USA, for better or for worse, they never exploited that. So by leaving the country, uh, China will move in and, and they will have a, a source of the raw materials needed to uh, fund the manufacture of the uh, manufacturing of the microchips that they will soon uh, have control of once they invade Taiwan. So you really wonder if this was a lot more nuanced than just a uh, floundering of a withdrawal. This was really to re- reset uh, the the global uh, power structure and and, and knock uh, the U.S. down a peg. And a lot of people think that our elites and our politicians are, are bought and paid for or. or, or um, uh, Owned by China, I don't think it's that that at all. I think they're working. I, I think there's this this ideology, this almost this elite convergence where we're the we're the ones that are going to run the world, and it, it doesn't matter about borders or any of the ones that uh, any of the people that that we. Um, we we, uh, lead or anything like that, it's almost like a neo-feudalism way of looking at things where we're just a bunch of peons and and for no better or worse than other parts of the country. And I I wonder at times if that's a flexing uh, of the the muscle there to say, we're going to diminish the country, we're going to give up vast swaths of very important uh, metals that make up what um, every the the chips that are going to fund and run uh, the future. Uh, and cede it to a, a global rival. And, and good luck. You, you look at this, uh, I don't want to go up a tangent here, so I was going to say something about the spending bill. As you look at um, $2.26 trillion on the low end for a 20-year war, bombs, airplanes, tanks, logistics of getting soldiers there and back, feeding them, housing them. Our government in Washington wants to put a $3.4 trillion uh, spending bill, a 20-year war in a foreign country two point two trillion. And these clowns want to, to put through a bill, an infrastructure bill for three point four trillion. I mean, that look at that contrast where everything that goes into a 20 year war, totaling two point two trillion. And with a with a pen stroke, they want to push something through that's three point four trillion. Yeah, well,
0: let me break in here. I don't know. Don't lose your thought. But Damon, they don't have any money for reparations,
4: right? <laughs> Go ahead, Patrick. Yeah. So it's just the four pillars I've got here is you've got the open borders, which is destabilizing the country. Uh, You've got this authoritarian lockdowns of speech suppression, uh, vaccine mandates, lockdowns, crushing small business, lack of energy independence. And in a spending bill that goes through the way that they're going to pay for it is to print money, which that means that the consumer goods that you and I buy are going to go up drastically. And then to, to further fund that, um, there's no one's gonna be buying, buying the bonds for them. So it's either gonna be printing more money and raising taxes. So you to have massive stag inflation. So I just see the whole Afghanistan withdraw a small piece of this, this uh, agenda to, to um, decline the country, manage de- decline the country. And it's just one piece of, of a, a several point uh, structure into really running this country in, into the ground. So uh, it, that, that's my thoughts of, of what I saw happen at the end of August.
0: Well, thank you so much. I've got some good points from what you did, but let's go up to Philadelphia. Miss Jackie, did you want to say anything? Or are you just
5: listening today? Oh, good evening. Um, yes, 20 years was too long. But also, um, the affluent Americans that run the system, our state government and federal government push for this 20-year war. Um, up in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, we have had town meetings in our office before we started our computer work from eight in the morning to 10 o'clock about this war. And they're poor white trash Republicans that support Donald Trump. And I'm just recording secretary. I say nothing because it is what it is at the end of the day. Nobody said nothing when it was September 11, 2001 of the Bush Congress that pushed for the money to fund this war. Um, it shouldn't have went that way. Every war that we've had, we've always lacked as a nation through our system called federal government to fund for medical coverage for unemployed people. We've always had unemployed people in our nation. And uh, there was a push for that, Um, but the Republicans are so absolutely wealthy with their millions and billions of dollars, the Bloomberg generation, never thought about medical coverage. Now we're in this nation for COVID. People are unemployed. They were making money being unemployed, collecting federal unemployment. But at the end of the day, they did not think about medical. COBRA is very costly. The They don't have medical coverage. With the PSD, which is a fancy logo for mental illness, We've always had mental illness when our troops came back. I ran into a conversation from a um, dude that served Afghans again, he wasn't mentally right. But I listened to him because he fought the country and he was deployed twice. So right now he's like in his forties. What happened with PSTD that dependent on pharmaceutical drugs, massive homeless, because the federal government, yes, the system, lack the funding for the federal Administration. Not just this war, but past wars. But let's focus on our scan. Money should be spent by these elite affluent billionaires that run our federal government. You see them on CNN, they're not gonna go anywhere because they got money. For medical coverage. Yes, the war had to end, but and after four years of Donald Trump, the current person, I do not give him a title of uh, Commander-in-Chief or President vital. He go, I address him as Joe. And when the poor white trash people look at me and say, Joe who? I said, you know what I'm talking about. I do not think he deserves a title as Commander-in-Chief in our nation because we were disgraced as a powerful nation for four years under Donald Trump. So after um, really Bush moving forward, none of those former presidents, including the current one in my category, in my theory, in my opinion, should be called commander in Chief or President of the United States because they have money and the brown people, the working class people, the small business people don't. And whose fault is it? Again, the system has failed us. Thank you, Kevin.
0: Well, Miss, uh, you brought up a good point I want to discuss, and then we'll go back to the capitalism and we'll be through. Um, I want to talk about all the spending we're doing on the gas, but now there's this great big cry. Oh, look what we've done to the people. Let's give more hit it to social welfare. Let's send money to feed people. I uh, I was at a church, they were actually collecting a mission product to send stuff over to Afghanistan. Some of them people over there got more money <laughs> within their oil wells and in their history, you know. So should we be feeding the people we're sending money, we're sending clothes, we're sending supplies to all these, you know, we feel sorry for everybody with their, like Miss Charlie, um, I'm sorry, Miss Jackie said, there are homeless people in America. We don't, we walk past them, but we send all this money overseas. So let's talk about that real quick. What do you think about all this foreign aid and social welfare we're sending to Afghanistan people now? Who wants to go first with that?
4: I can go. I was, okay. I was, um, what, what Jackie had said is how we, we've got veterans that they're not getting the help they needed, and they haven't for a, a long time. I was I was shocked. It said uh, twenty thousand wounded Americans. Uh, I, it's exponentially higher because I imagine that doesn't account for things like PTSD and and uh, and, and other uh, injuries. Uh, and, I, and I did find it interesting that that we're shipping one hundred thousand. Uh, Afghan uh, refugees to this country, and, and Biden just allocated five hundred million dollars for them. Well, how about five hundred million dollars for the troops that were injured and maimed uh, in, in the war? Where where is is, is their money to pay for the things that that they did uh, for uh, over there? And I just thought that was astounding that the purse strings could open so quickly for people. Real, quite frankly, shouldn't even be here. They should be placed in region. Uh, that they, they should not um they should not be brought here. Uh, but we know how that goes with, uh, w- with the borders right now. So I, I just want to point that out to Jackie. She's got a very good point that we've got a lot of Amer- American servicemen and women who who can't get the help they need, yet um, current administration is quick to um, throw money at-, at a problem that doesn't even need to be here right now.
0: And and um, um, go ahead and now get back to Damon, because it's funny we could bring over the Afghanistan stadiums, but like when, when dark people from Haiti want to come here, we hurry up and say no. But anyway, that's another show. OK, what? who else wants to talk about? What do you think about all this money, social welfare we're throwing at FN? No, I can
3: talk about that, too. I can talk about that as well. Um,
0: Not you, Damon. I know yeah. you're
3: here. <laughs> no, the thing is, but I mean, it's another show. But real quick, though, about that, what you just said about Haiti, isn't it amazing how over a weekend they had fully gassed up planes ready to ship those people back like two days? Not yesterday, not tomorrow, not next week, today. So if you want to do the same thing with Mexicans, you could do that with them as well. But instead we got them up in hotels, you know treating them you know, living in the lap of luxury, bringing over Afghans over here because of the war that we started, that we made them homeless that you know, if, if not for the war, they would have been fine with whatever previous life they had. We're gonna bring them over here. We're gonna give them business loans. We're gonna do all these things. But again, when it comes to, let's go back to black folks. When it comes back to us, oh, we, oh, sorry. We just can't do, we just don't have it this time. But you, everybody else, you've got money for everybody else. You know what I mean? But, but when it comes to the people who actually deserve the money, um, you don't have it. But you bring it over here, um, you know, and, and, and with a lot of these Afghans coming over, these Mexicans, are they even backed up or whatever? You, you bring them over here, and, and we're told that you're trying to fire people from their jobs because they do or don't want to get vaccinated. OK, that, that's a personal choice for American citizens. You bring in here people from other countries. Lord knows what, what they may have, whatever infectious diseases they may have. So you bring them over here, just unchecked and just let them run amok in, in society. And, and we wonder why we have problems. And go to school for free. Exactly. Yes you know,
0: um, get on welfare automatically. I, I just don't understand that. What do you think, Jed, about our spending, uh, on social welfare for Afghanistanians? I,
2: I personally, um, think that if you're going to send any aid to a country in, in, in the form of food, you should be sending seeds and, and, farm equipment so that they can grow the food themselves to be honest i mean i i, I think if we're going to spend the money that's a lot more uh, effective way to spend the money than you know hmm. what, what what's awesome. the old saying teach a man to fish you know
0: <laughs> that, that's a good point i like that point tim what do you think about our social welfare spending with afghanistanians Afghans,
1: did i lose tim Sorry, yeah. I'm having technical difficulties. Here, I, if I can, if, if you would be so kind to, just let me touch briefly. I just want to tap it briefly. The statement that 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 Jedediah made earlier about how it's capitalism that has screwed us over. Again, Jedediah has conflated crony capitalism with capitalism. Capitalism didn't get us over in Afghanistan. Capitalism <laughs> didn't get us over in Iraq. Capitalism didn't get us to overthrowing um, various governments in the countries that brown people mostly live in, central and South America, that was crony capitalism. If we look at Halliburton, Halliburton received now. Get that Brace yourself. Halliburton received in the year 2003 4.3 billion dollars. That's with a B in one year. 2.3 billion dollars from the Department of Defense. That was not capitalism. That was crony capitalism. You had the vice president who was making hand over fist tens of millions of dollars because he had a position in Halliburton. He was able to monetize the wars and the conflicts that the U.S. gets itself in. And this is what uh, uh, the American people, and and I love my poor whites, but someone else opened up the door about the poor whites. I think it was Miss Jackie, so let me just walk on through that door that was opened up. The poor whites have been tricked and bamboozled into believing that they actually have a stake in this country. They've been tricked and willingly deceived into believing that if they do the right thing, if they wave the flag, if they sing uh, 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 whatever patriotic song that white folks like to sing, that they'll have a seat at the table. And when we look at the military uh, um, soldiers, when we look at the men and women and the individuals that come over to this who come back from fighting in our conflicts and wars, and we see how the government mistreats them, doesn't supply them with the proper medical attention that they need. In fact, what the government does, what the system does is it pulls down its trousers and begins to urinate in their face and tell them PTSD or whatever. Now they, I think they got a new name for post-traumatic stress syndrome, whatever they're calling it now. Oh, you didn't really get that. That's just your mind playing tricks on you. You'll get over it. Take these opiates and call us next weekend and we'll talk about it then. What we have to realize as Americans, both black and white and brown and whatever color you may or may not be, what we have to realize is that the the system that the political classes, that the elites are screwing us all over. This is not capitalism, this is crony capitalism. Capitalism would allow yours truly, it will allow you, it will allow poor people, it will allow poor whites, poor brown folks to have a seat at the table if they work hard at it. And that's not the way the system works. The system creates conflicts, the system creates regulations that keep us from having our fair share of the American pie.
2: Okay, I'd like to go next, considering, you know, because this is an interesting thing I hear from libertarians all the time, the the difference between um, capitalism and crony capitalism, they act as if the government is what makes these things happen, when they forget that the elites, the people who already have the money are just using the government as a tool. And if, and if the government were, weren't there to use as a tool, they'd have access because they have money to all of the other tools, which would include, in, in a situation with no government, private armies. I mean, people are making the guns. People are making the stuff for, for, for war. And as long as there's profit to be had in making those armaments for war, which there is, we, we know this, people are going to be doing it and they'll sell it to whoever buys it. They'll sell it to the highest bidder. So if somebody wants the oil in another country and they got a bunch of money, they can hire people to go over there and take that oil. It's, it's, it's not, there's no difference between capitalism and crony capitalism. Crony capitalism is just playing by the rules that are in place. Intelligently. It's, it's, it, it makes sense that this is the way things would go, given the, the rules that they are. But if the rules changed, if the government weren't there to use as that tool, there would be people willing to take a paycheck to go over to some other country and fight if that paycheck was high enough. There are people willing to do anything if... The payment is high enough. There, and this this doesn't even just happen with the government. This happens on the streets. There are people willing to go and kill people for a lot less than an American soldier gets paid here in the United States. there's, it's in every facet. People will will go to the highest bidder as long as. You need money to survive. The person paying the most money is going to be the person who can get things done. If these people have the money to bribe politicians, they're sure as hell going to have the money to buy their own armies. It's it's a distinction that libertarians like to make between capitalism and crony capitalism, but there isn't any distinction. it's, It's all the same. It's all logical progress you know, based on the rules that are in place.
3: I gotta I gotta jump in here and, and say I can't refute what Jed just said. I mean, the reality is, and this is kind of and as as you as you kind of live longer and you kind of see certain things from a political standpoint, there is not one political ideology that one individual person that exists today created. The political ideologies that we that we know and use today. Are were created by somebody back in the day, and some things sound good in theory. And that idea that libertarians try to say about, you know, it's not crony cap, it's not capitalism, it's crony capitalism. Judges put it put it together perfectly because there's no there's no instance in which a small mom and pop type business could do what you know Lockheed Martin and Raytheon and those guys are doing. They have a large enough body of of money, uh, sit on a pot of gold basically. <laughs> where they're able to tell these 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 government officials that, look, if you want to get reelected, here's a nice little check with your name on it. But only if we get these contracts. And a lot of times what happens is, you know, the pork barrel spending that everybody wants to talk about. The reason why it never ends is that every every time uh, somebody talks about cutting spending, somebody's always talking about, well, what about this? What about all these people that are going to lose their jobs? Well, if it's busy work jobs anyway, what does it even matter? And that, that's a bigger a bigger problem with American society as a general rule, is that how many jobs are actually value added jobs? A lot of them are just stay busy jobs. You know what I mean? And, that, and that's something we're gonna have to talk about. And I think that in the, um, in the presidential primary last year, um, you know, uh, Andrew Yang talked about how a lot of jobs are about to be obsolete. And what does that do for a society when you have people who as American culture we, we, put, uh, we place people's value on what they make and what they do for a living. Well, when a lot of these jobs go away, let's say somebody's a cashier right now. Well, cashier, as we see, you go on any Walmart, Target, whatever, nowadays, they've got those automated, uh, automated checkouts. So now that's gonna put, okay, if I'm a cashier, what do I do now? Well, I, let me go back to school and get a, get a degree. Well, that's $50,000 a year. So now if I go to school for four years, I'm almost a, ha- a quarter of a, a million dollars in the hole to do what? What jobs are out there, right? And so it, the reality is our American society, the way that we've always thought about things is coming crumbling down because when we try to pop- poverty shame poor people and say, hey, just get a better job, well, how do I do that? Okay, go to college. But again, college has, gone, has grown so exponentially in cost, it does not make sense for the average you know, job because most jobs will say, you need a college degree. That's only to weed out certain people because most jobs do not require a college degree. They only say that you that you need one. Now when okay, it comes so, to
6: David, I want to take take you up on that right there though. Yep. What about being a tradesperson? We need plumbers, we need carpenters. There's very oh, few carpenters oh, yeah, in the yeah, area, right? I, now.
3: Absolutely, absolutely. That that's that's a that's a perfect perfect segue. That's what we need to kind of train people into. And, and again, it, it comes back to poverty shaming though, where um certain segments of the population, not me, but certain segments of the population look down, quote unquote, upon the trades, you know, because if you get your hands dirty, if you're a, you know, a, a mechanic or you work in HVAC, you know, it's not a, a white collar, you're sitting in an office, you know, with with a the, with the corner office with your feet kicked up on your desk type deal. So, but those people make good money. And again, to your point, Will, th- th- you make great money with those and you don't have the student loan debt that someone else has. So I would much rather, if I was a young kid today, just starting into the into the workforce, I'd much rather go into the HVAC field, work for an HVAC company, eventually be able to get my own truck, be able to do my own, my own thing. Let's say you make $50,000 a year. Well, if you work make $50,000 a year on your own with no student loan debt, you're gonna be way better off than somebody who, let's say makes 75 or 100,000, but you've got so much student loan debt, you realistically could die with that debt on you. Because thanks to our good old friend, Jim Crow Joe, Joe Biden, the current president, because of him, you cannot discharge student loan debts in bankruptcy. So even if you've got all this debt, that you're just like, oh man, this you know, in life in America, we we all, you know, kind of shoulder this burden of okay, let me do this, let me get this. We we get into debt before, and before we know it, we're up to our eyeballs in debt. And so to get out of it, luckily the 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 policy of bankruptcy is utilized to be able to do that. But student loan debt is is separate from that. So you can have all this debt get discharged, but that student loan debt, it's a you know, half a million, you know, whatever it is, you still have to pay that till the day that you die. And that's that's problematic. So, you know, in and, and a lot of these these degrees, a lot of these colleges know they, they're not worth anything, but they still offer them anyway because hey, if somebody's dumb enough to pay for it, they just go for it.
5: Well, may I say something? I have a question for Jed. Um, you said something about um using the government as a tool. Okay, so you bring back these veterans. These soldiers are now veterans. So it's okay for pharmaceuticals like Pfizer to pump um, money into the system and do nothing. You have homeless humans that fought the country. They have no place to stay. They have to sleep on the streets or sleep in a a barn for your Georgia people. Yes, they sleep in barns Uh, or cars. They don't have a car. So they sleep in used cars. Um, They don't have no skills because like Damon said, for the poor people, it was a way out of the community with the perks. But at the end of the day, Damon, they're still poor people. And I'm not gonna say white trash this time, just humans. They don't have a job. They're stressed out for PSTD. When you go to the BA as a veteran, You're only a number. And you wait for days, weeks, months and years for the BA to help you. And you have no choice but to sleep on the streets or a barn somewhere in Savannah, Georgia or Augusta, Georgia. It's the system. But Jed, you think it's okay for Pfizer to pump money for a war?
2: No. Actually, I don't. I, I don't think it's OK. And, and I also want to um, point out that it isn't just Pfizer that 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 is, you know, making some circular was making some circular money in, Af- in the Afghanistan conflict. It was the, the private illegal drug trade. And an and, uh, interesting fact about the Taliban, the Taliban at one point in time didn't want people growing opiates they wanted people growing food but then they needed funding so they realized hey even though you know these opiates go against our fundamentalist religion we're going to have people grow them so we can transport them into iran and make it into heroin and sell it sell it on the streets in the united states i mean there were people doing this before at one point in time most of our heroin opium came from a place in southeast asia called the golden triangle but at one point in time, Afghanistan and the the Iran and that pipeline was one of the leading um, sources of the heroin that was, you know, destroying communities for you know quite a long time. Heroin's been destroying communities even before it reached the white community. It- Ripped through the black community pretty, pretty bad. And I'd also like to point out that it didn't get the coverage back when it was ripping through the black community as it had as as the opioid crisis, as we now call it now that it's hit the white community. But I also want to touch on another point. I think that as a country, we have treated veterans like complete garbage. I mean, the VA is it doesn't function correctly. It doesn't provide the help it needs for these veterans. But let's not forget the reason why these veterans are homeless and sleeping on the streets. It's because a person's value, and this is something that Damon kind of touched on, a person's value in this country, in our system of capitalism, isn't them as a person. It's how much money can they make for someone else. If these people have ptsd it's hard and they have no money they have no skills it's hard for them to hold jobs so they have to sleep on the streets and they have to starve and go to soup kitchens because they don't have any value to the wealthy because they can't work and that's that's something that needs to change that's something that that we as a a a country and 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 a a national culture if we're going to have one of those needs to change is is how we value human beings and how we value human life we we have this thing and we've had it for a long time in this country where well you know if you can't work well then you're pretty useless you know And, and and it's the whole poor shaming as was discussed earlier i mean and and This is something that you can see in the disabled community too. I mean, the free market is not kind, not kind at all to the disabled worker. Luckily for somebody like myself who is blind, um, there's been programs in place that have helped us get employment and and stuff like that. Because when I lived in a Northern town with no bus system and no, 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 um, way to get hired if you're a blind person in a a town with mostly factory jobs the the free market you know weighed me measured me and found me useless or or as um people would say a a useless eater because i no one no one wanted or valued my worth as a human being i was only valued for what i could produce and a lot of those companies were like oh well you know you're blind we don't really want you working in this factory environment there's there's supposedly laws against discriminating against somebody who's blind. But, you know, those aren't real. They can get around that by saying, oh, you're a liability. Oh, you need a valid driver's license to to do this job, even though there's no driving involved. But basically, the point I'm trying to make here is this is something that affects all the poor people, not just the veterans who are poor because of PTSD or a a, a Mental health issues or physical health issues—it's it, it, another problem. in the the you know uh, what 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 did they call it? A few episodes ago, the the free market, the auction block—that is the free market deciding a person's worth.
4: Hey, Pat, what you thinking, man? Well, and I, I really echo both what Jackie, Jed, and and you've said is that the. uh the way we look on our veterans is piss poor. And uh, I've got many of my family who have served, I did not, but many of my family did. And luckily for them, they were able to work and and didn't have the the unfortunate um, circumstance of being wounded or anything like that. And I think we can all agree that we send men and women over to these war zones. And then when they come back, we don't treat them correctly. And there's really nothing that can be said. I think that's something we can can all agree on is whether you agree with the war or, or not, they're just doing a job. And, and many of them are doing a job to, to to better their life in some way, whether it's a promise of an education or a way out of a bad situation. Um, and to no fault their own, that they, they get injured and they come back here. And and as a society, we we don't support them as well as we should. Yet we we look at the billions of dollars that are going outside the country, basically flushed down a toilet, or as I mentioned earlier, uh, $500 million to, to go to 100,000 people who should never be here in the first place. Got to find a, a, a more fitting place in the region and just really get you pissed off. And, and I think we're all in unison there is, is that we've got to do better with our veterans. And there, there's not just, um, there's probably, and the reason it's probably not is and I think Jed is hit, hit on this, is, is the kind of crony capitalism way is there's really not a, a way to exploit veterans for profit by a lot of these groups, right? If there was a way to exploit them and helping them, I bet that the politicians would find a way to help them, but, but unfortunately for them, there's not. So it's a problem that, that's left unaddressed. I hate to be that um, that dark about it, but that, that's probably why why it's occurring is there's just not a lot of profit in helping these veterans. So they're, they're left to their own devices and it's a shame. And um, I know that um, one of the reasons that, that I did vote for Trump was because he had promised to, to rectify that situation. I, I think he did in small part, he did make gains there. As to what the Biden administration is doing right now, I'm, I'm not so sure. Uh, But I think by and large, we've got to do much better with with veterans and I think that's something we we can all agree on.
6: I agree with you on that. I agree with everyone so far on that. But the thing is, this is something that's been going on the whole time. Um, If we look back to the Revolutionary War, wasn't there a Shays Rebellion just after that? Um, I think the Whiskey Rebellion as well, looking into, you know, what happened after uh the civil war world war one world war two there's always been points where the veterans have gotten the the short end of the stick so to speak and it just doesn't seem like it's getting better and I mean, really this is the whole other show problem. but that's the way that i'm seeing it as well
4: um a father-in-law was it was a career marine um i don't i don't uh I, 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 he was an officer all kinds of experience and um, he had such a hard time finding a job coming back because companies don't look, uh, and this is the best case scenario. Someone goes over there, they, they, they serve their country and they avoid injury and all that. And they come back. And, and a lot of employers don't, don't value that they don't value the leadership and the drive and motivation that goes into doing something like that. It's as if they've simply not don't have a resume. So there's also that that secondary part is even if, if someone serves and is, is, is by the grace of God, not injured, they find employment many times tough because they don't have years of experience in in whatever the, the employer's hiring for. So it's just a big problem all all the way around. And, and, uh, I wish there was a better solution for it.
6: Definitely understood. Yeah. I think it's funny in a sad way. I mean, there's nobody looking for a door kicker, uh, in the, in the real world. They ask you know, can you do Excel and stuff like that? But there are a lot of jobs that are, you know, they're able to use a lot of their negotiation, a lot of the stuff that they learned in the military that you can use in the boardroom. You just have to see how to do it. And, you know, it doesn't really seem like it would be that hard to get them to, you know, use what they have. And there are other people. I don't know if anybody knows Jocko Willink. Um, he's a former Navy SEAL commander. And he has a whole group of people that are looking to find jobs for um, servicemen and service women when they get out. You know, the veterans are useful. We just need to find places for them. But, um, but yeah.
3: Well, awesome. You know, uh, so Kevin wasn't able to get back on, but like I, said, I do want to kind of uh, wrap up tonight's show. Uh, a lot of great discussion. Uh, but one thing I do want to do before we, we close out um, i do I do want to pay respects and pay tribute uh, to a former um, contributor to the uh, to Liberty show, uh, Mr. David McKay. Uh, for those that may not know, he recently passed away um, a couple of weeks ago. But what we want to do is we want to basically uh, give him a, a, um, a large shout out. Um, he was he was a great contributor to the show and a great great human being. Uh, so I'd like to give a brief moment of silence before we close out tonight's show. All right. Thank you for that. Um, before, we, before we wrap up, does anybody have any uh, closing thoughts uh, before we uh, get off tonight's call?
1: Well, I just want to acknowledge, um, further acknowledge um, uh, David. He was a, a friend to me as an individual. He was the type of guy that would take literally the shirt off of his back. Um, this is a topic that was near and dear to his heart. So I'm um, just sitting here I could imagine what David would have said. So just wanted to throw that out that um, David McCake will be deeply missed by us. And speaking as an individual, he will be deeply missed by me.
4: Um, I know him personally, uh, my best friend, that's his father. So um, we were all together, 4th of July, we were watching the Braves game uh, all together. And, and, and I, I would never have thought just a, a couple months later we would have lost him, uh, but, but he was a great man. Uh, he met, he was a great father. He was a great grandfather. And um, th- there's a, a big hole uh, missing right now in, in the McKegg family. So he was a great man and uh, he will be missed.
3: Okay, so with that being said, thank you for those, uh, for those tributes to, to David. Um, and, and if there's no further uh, comments uh, from the gallery, uh, we'll end tonight's show. Uh, tonight, you've listened to the Liberty Show. Uh, with Kevin Fortune. Uh, Kevin has uh, unfortunately had technical difficulties,
6: but this is Damon Kennedy. And until next time, everyone uh, have a a great night. Good evening.